Welcome to Ask the Expert, an award-winning daily show live from 8.30 till 9 a.m. to help small businesses. Ask any questions in the comments or use the hashtag QBATE on Twitter. If you need any more advice, join the official Intuit QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7. During the live session, we'll also be running a poll, so please do engage with it, and I'll reveal the results at the end. So uh, I'm going to introduce myself, but before that, I just wanted to say the three main topics I will talk about today are, if you have a new business idea, how the hell do you move that forward? I'm not going to swear, it's a morning show. Um, how do you move it forward if you don't have a technologist in the business? I also want to talk about briefly some SMEs who are winning through this COVID crisis. I think that could be interesting learning some of the pivots that they've done. And if there's time, hopefully there is, uh, I just want to touch on why if you don't have a CTO in your business, if you don't have a technologist, that's fine. You can still succeed and, and create new digital products and innovate. So uh, in terms of a small intro on myself, my first career, if you will, was in investment banking. Well, I spent two year, uh, 10 years, actually two years, 10 years, much longer than that, um, financing privately-owned businesses, so effectively helping to buy businesses, operationally transform them, and scale them. It's a great learning about business. Um, until uh, the financial crisis of 07 or 08 that some of us might remember, things changed a little bit, so in the world of finance, it became uh, somewhat antisocial to mention what you did at dinner parties, that's for sure. Um, so I started looking at startups uh, on the side of my day job. Well, for a few years, and my wife and I had a first child, and I thought, life's too short. I need to do something I'm passionate about. And for me, it was building technology-led businesses, which is what I've done for the past eight years. Um, exited a, a couple, and, and you know, I love doing what I do, which is helping people with um, technology ideas. So talking of that, nice segue into the first uh, thing I want to mention is Whatever business you're in, so either you're an entrepreneur or you've got an SME, you've got your core business currently, you might be thinking, look, I've got this idea and I don't know how to move it forward. Because what I tend to find with people is either you're a technology insider or technology outsider. And if you're an outsider, you just don't know how to move uh, an idea forward. And a lot of ideas nowadays is all about tech. It's, it's apps, it's websites, it's, it's automation within your business. So what I tend to say to people is, let's simplify it. Let's de-risk it. Um, I, I might be a bad salesman, but I tend to say to people, don't build stuff on the coding side. Simply look at creating, uh, frankly, hand-drawn. Yeah, what would the thing looks like? look like? Maybe create a little form asking questions and go and ask the people that might be your audience, what do you think? It sounds really basic, right? But so many people don't do that. They might get an idea in their head and they go, Okay, well, yeah, this is going to be great. They find somebody to build it for them. They spend six months building it, and, and, and they land it, and nobody wants it. Right? That, that's the stories we, we often hear. The best way to do it, in my mind, is, is a very simple approach. Go and ask people what they think. What pain point do they have? To, you know, your assumptions that you had about the idea, it is that matched with their, their belief. Then create a little prototype. So that's effectively graphic design made interactive. So that's a, that's a service we, we do with people and it costs a few thousands. But what you have is you're able to pre-sell the concept. And that's something I, I really want to encourage people to do. People are thinking about a pivot or a different revenue channel. De-risk launching something new by creating a prototype, going to ask the audience what they think, would they buy it, how much they pay, does it solve a problem? Do they need something else for this to be, become a must-have in their lives? 
And then once you've got that, you've pre-sold it to some people, then you know you can build it. And there's also ways to build it through lean technologies, which is a bit like uh, the MacGyver of building technology, sticky taping different software solutions to create an offering without building everything from scratch. So that's uh, lean code is the concept. That's something else we can advise on. Because I see too many people who say, I want to build a rocket to the moon. But really what they should be doing is finding out if they actually do want to go to the moon in the first place. Um, the second thing I wanted to mention uh, in my little intro uh, is some SMEs that I've seen uh, winning during this, this crisis. So winning in 2020 is, uh, is what Amazon's been doing, really. Um, from our side, we've we worked with a, an e-com company. So they started off really as a cafe but they were selling a few things on the side, on, on online store. And it was a specific audience, Scandinavian uh, uh, buyers um, living in the UK, so Scandinavian expats. But what they did very well is they saw that people would be at home and they really pushed the online side. And now their business is completely transformed. Um, they are actually, I mean, as, as a good news story for somebody who's not Amazon, they actually are stopping orders at the moment because they have so many due to the second lockdown, even though they've increased their capacity massively. Um, so in itself, I guess that's, uh, that is a good news, uh, a good news story. Um, the key point I guess I want to make on that is they did a pivot. They had a business model. They saw what was going on. I mean, they're not visionaries. They just saw what was going on and thought, okay, well, we're getting more traction here. Let's try and do a pivot. Let's invest on that side which is where we came in, really helping with conversion optimization. So I think their e-com store uh, increased conversion by, say, 30 or 40%, I think it was in the end, which is material, uh, certainly for them. A another SME that we are working with is really thinking about uh, how to help people take online orders. Um, so their background is selling, uh, effectively, mayonnaise and oil. During the first lockdown, they thought, well, we can't really sell those anymore. Let's do subscription boxes. So they spun that up literally overnight and had good success, not great success, not you know making millions, but sufficient to survive a challenging period. And I think, yeah, I think that's the kind of thing, and, and, and the poll will, will be interesting to look at, but that's the kind of thing that we need to be considering. If this is an issue for the next three, six, 12 months, how can we make sure we, we make our business less fragile by having additional revenue streams? So for them, the current pivot we're helping them with is enabling greengrocers, butchers, et cetera, who currently would have to be shut down to do online ordering, click and collect, schedule a time. It sounds pretty simple, uh, and some solutions are starting to come up with that, but that really helps in terms of um, in terms of these businesses thinking differently. They're not technologists, right? They are the opposite of that. They're very good at what they do where we can provide them a solution that helps them through the spirit, helps them sell, helps them make money, which is key. Um, final thing I wanted to mention, um, I've got a whole blog post on that, which can be seen as a bit controversial, but it, it comes from a very good place. And the good place is um, whatever kind of business you have, you may not have the luxury of having a, I call them a technologist. So a CTO, a tech lead, uh, an IT manager. If you do, that's great. But that might actually be a problem in as far as um, you may have a, some technologist in the business who just knows what they know. So they're very good at that one thing. But when you're looking to innovate and create new products, what you actually need to be thinking about is, is more widely, like what product are we looking to create? Not 
what code am I going to write, but what product are we looking to create? So as I talked about at the start with this, you know, creating new business ideas, putting prototypes and user testing, it's not about the coding side. So if you're looking to innovate, I guess what I want to say is the good news is you don't need to have the technologist in the business. You don't need to be a technology insider. I think what you really need is to understand your audience, your business, to understand what pain point they're having. And you probably see this on a day-to-day basis when you're talking to your customers. There's probably something that you thought, oh, if we could do that, that'd be good. And I guess yeah, this is what we do a lot of. It's that, what's the other possible? You have a pain point, you have an issue. What's the other possible with technology? Uh, I'm not a coder myself at all. I do a lot about user experience, strategy, commercialization. I have a team of people who do the coding. But I always like to think with customers uh, and partners, what's the pain point we're solving? Who are the users? How do we help them help themselves? Um, so that's what we'll, we do. The more the product side, bring a team of experts uh, to you. And then it's really a question of uh, executing a plan. So we've done the prototype, we've done user testing validation. We know this is going to work because we've pre-sold it. So let's go and, and uh, effectively build it after. So funny enough, the, the building the technology is the last thing I talk about with, uh, <laughs> with people that we engage with. Uh, so a number of questions have come in, which is great. Um, so Hannah from Twitter, um, come on, Patrice. What are the best reviews, websites, blogs to use for a new app? Oh, that's a good question, pointed question. Um, so the answer is I don't know. It's changed a fair bit. I, I'm not. I'm not going to be. Uh, so this is to launch a new app. I'm guessing, and you want to be covered. What I'd say on that is to get the coverage, reviews, etc. Uh, I recommend uh, we work with a lady who's very good at that. Uh, j- just working with somebody who's in, in the press, a PR person. It doesn't need cost the earth. And if you go with a freelancer, that is just as good as going with a big agency. And the reason I'm, I'm not avoiding the question, I'm saying more actually, it's quite specific to what your app does. It's quite specific to what uh, the audience is. Because being covered, and I've been covered in the Times, the Guardian, things like that, that's great. And what you see is a tiny little tick up of interest. Um, being covered in the Huffington Post or something online can create a higher level of interest. But being covered in the, or the, the press that your audience reads can create a higher level of interest. To me, press is more about the credibility side. Um, and it's a useful thing to have, you know, featured in XYZ. Um, but I find it best to look at other strategies, which uh, I can expand on. Like uh, working with strategic partners or gatekeepers, I've got a big audience um, to to actually get the distribution of the app going. I don't know if that answers your question, Hannah. Hopefully it does. Happy to follow up after. Uh, second question, Lawrence from Facebook. Uh, I'm launching an app in three markets in a few months. Any advice around launch strategies be much appreciated. Key goal is to get as many downloads as, downloads as possible. Yes, I, I know that one. Uh, also to get signups to our email list pre-launch. It's in the wellness sector. Um, good, good question, Lawrence. And uh, despite working as a sort of tech partner and product partner, we're not theorists. We're, what we do is launch apps, launch businesses, uh, and that's a key differential. And if you don't have the distribution, the launch strategy, all you've done is created a beautiful little bit of tech that nobody's going to see. So we, we really don't want that. Um, what I'd suggest is kind of my key hack, if you will, <laughs> growth hacking, key hack, 
it is actually, so I don't know exactly what it does. I'm going to speak generally, general terms, is try and find in the specific uh, markets you're looking at, strategic partners already have an audience. Now, this may or may not work for you, but to me, that's always step one. So who is currently in that market for whom you are solving a, a pain point or for whom they've got an audience of you know, 10, 50, 100,000 for whom you can do a deal with? Uh, now, things are changing slightly in terms of attribution, but what you can do is whoever they are, you can give them like a special code. And if people download their, the, your app through this code, you're able to attribute. So strategic partner one led to this download there. This download led to a subscriber, so you're actually making money. So we can reward strategic partner one with some money. Because I see a lot of people just going crazy, Facebook campaign, Instagram, AdWords, which is lovely. Um, but to me, that's a secondary strategy. Strategy one is, is working with people who already have a reach and audience. And with that, you're really going to get, hopefully, some early adopters. If you do the app correctly, you can get some virality, which is definitely not a word, but well, it means something else. But I think you know what I mean, which is, uh, I think it's K-factor. So it's things that uh, get uh, effectively referred to other people. And that, that's a big component I encourage you to look at. Uh, so two things. One is how easy is it to onboard people to maximize how often they come back to the app? And how easy is it to recommend people? If you look at Uber, um, what I was talking about is exactly what they did, uh, except they made it individual. So as a user, I got uh, £10 for signing up, I think, initially. And if I referred a friend, they got £10, I got £10. So this is how stuff like that can go viral. Um, yeah, so hopefully that, that makes sense. The Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, which is a useful way of, of getting your early email list signups, to me, it's that kind of secondary strategy. So you've done a launch with early adopters, then you support it with that. And you can do some very nice targeted adverts uh, and get a cost per install of, say, one, two, three pounds kind of thing. Um, you can definitely run that strategy for email signups as well. So it won't be an install, it'll be an email address, but it really helps to make a, 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 yeah, a bang on your launch to have a long email list and I can't remember the name, Lawrence, you have to look it up, but there's some software you can use to, to do what I just talked about with Uber, which is encourage people to refer a friend to get early access and create a little bit of scarcity. But I'll stop there on that, but hopefully that's useful. Uh, let me know if you want to talk more about it. Uh, Naomi from Twitter, what was the light bulb moment when you left your job and embarked on your entrepreneurial career? I've been procrastinating on my plans and would love to know uh, how you came about making that leap of faith. Uh, great question, Naomi. And, uh, if you're asking that question, I think you're halfway through the door uh, already uh, in a good way. So for me, I, I, so I was doing pretty hardcore investment banking type things, so long hours, and um, it, it wasn't great. Uh, after the crisis, you know, financial crisis, things became quite challenging. It wasn't a great environment to be in. It, actually, for me, it was a positive thing where uh, I started playing around with the uh, with with uh, entrepreneurship. So I created a, a range of uh, polo shirts, of a fashion brand, yeah, featured in the Times, like selling stuff. It, it was really uh, addictive. It was a buzz. It was fun. So I guess what I'm saying is, I tried the entrepreneurship before I bought it, because leaving a paid job is dangerous if you don't have that plan. Um, and I did that literally for three years until we had our first child. For for me, it was one of those. 
if I don't do this now, I'll never do it. I won't see them grow up. Um, so, and, and yeah, we, we moved out of London, yeah, moved in with my in-laws, cut all costs, minimize all risks. So it was all about yeah, de-risking the transition. Um, and you probably have a lifestyle wherever you live. You know, you've got, you know, you've got friends, you've got all this sort of life around you. And I want to encourage you to do maybe post-COVID is maybe look at how can you cut your cost? Can you move to a faraway country for a year whilst you're working on an idea on your business, on your thing? You may not want to do that, but it's, it's a way of doing it. Cut all your costs, move to Indonesia and live on $1,000 a month. Yeah, it makes it so much easier to give yourself the best chance possible to do your entrepreneur journey. And I know lots of people have done that who are doing that right now. They're traveling around the world. I mean, some of them have, haven't come back in eight years. Um, so hopefully that answers your question, Naomi. Uh, Barbara from Instagram Stories, how do you build true fans for an app? That's a really good question and a tricky one. Um, when I work with people, what I say to them right from the start is how do you turn a user that's never heard of you into an ambassador for your brand, right? That's a true user journey. That's a success. And, and this to that, the technology is in the middle. It's an enabler. There's a little bit more than just your app. There's the experience of how they first meet you, the brand, how it talks to them, how you engage with them and, and help them get into downloading the app, the experience within the app, um, how easy is it to get on board and want you to come back? So a great example is um, one of the worst apps uh, to get started using is uh, Mario Brothers, I think, or Super Mario Brothers. I can remember the name. Brought up by Nintendo. Yeah, millions of fans waiting for it. My son was desperate to play it, and I was trying to, to get him to use the app. I was trying to get into it and start playing. It took me 10 minutes yeah, to even get started playing. That's a terrible experience. A really good experience, something like Duolingo, where you, it's a language learning app. You download the app, it asks you what language you'd like to learn. Spanish, click. It, you start learning straight away. One click, you're learning. It only asks you to create an account down the line uh, once you're truly engaged. It's more about, do you want to save your progress? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I've, I've done all this learning. Um, and the reason I say that is, it, so it's how you engage with them, what brand you create. It's how you engage within the app to make sure that you want to come back again and again and again. Having some um, some feedback loops, having some uh, push notification strategies to bring them back nicely. Really think about the users and, and what do they want? What's going to make their life better? That, that's going to be the foundation of everything. And once they've left the app or they're about to leave the app, you know, it's, it's how do you encourage them to share? You know, you know, you've enjoyed this. What uh, other friend do you know that would want to do that? Um, without knowing specifics about, about your app, it's difficult to answer that question. But in my mind, if you do things like that, if you're doing the right things as far as the users go, I think, I think, you'll, do, I think you'll do great. But, um, and there's a, a nice article to read called A Thousand True Fans, which talks a bit about that um, and also really helps you focus on not millions, but a thousand. If you can achieve a thousand true fans for your app, you're going to do very well. So I encourage you to read that one. hope that helps. Uh, Mohammed from Facebook Messenger. Morning, Patrice. I have an app idea for and a small prototype of a VR app targeted for real estate clients. Nice, nice. Yeah. How can I test the concept and also how to find my first client? 
I want to be able to make changes now rather than after competing in the app development. Mohammed, exactly, exactly my philosophy, my mentality, and what I was talking about. So well done for doing that. Um, Pre-building it is fantastic. How do you find your first client? What I'd say, I mean, funny enough, we are playing around with a real estate, a couple of real estate concepts at the moment. Uh, what I'd say is pre-sell is, is the key. So uh, your prototype, hopefully it looks good. doesn't need to be yeah, 100% finished because you can approach people and ask them for advice. You can approach real estate clients, yeah, somebody a bit bigger, who doesn't have that technology and, and ask them for the advice. Yeah, Would this help you? How would this help you? How can we change this to make it better for you? Get them as part of the journey to, to finalize the product, that you, your vision that you're creating. Even update the prototype based on their feedback. Make sure you've got a shiny little presentation beside that, you know, talking about the problem, the solution, the market, the team, you know, how you're looking to grow this, because they might actually become early stage investors um, if they really believe in it and they've been involved in that process. But I think the key thing, um, to, that's a good thing to do and don't start coding the app until you know you've got two or three people who are meaningful who'd say, if you build this, I'd buy it. Right? That, that's the biggest thing. Sometimes you might hear, I'll buy it when you've built it and I'll tell you feedback, no, no, try and pre-sell. It, it's better spend two, three months doing that than to spend three, four months building it and then trying to sell it. Um, I see too many people do that. Um, I think I think that's uh, I think that's it. Um, lots more we can talk about. Um, let me know if you have any questions, uh, Mohammed. Uh, Poppy from Twitter, um, Patrice. What do you think small local businesses who have just started selling online can focus on from a technology point of view? Good question. So it's interesting that it's. Um, it's well, this first question, no marketing. It kind of is marketing. And that kind of shows, I think, where people's minds are at, which is like, how do we sell this? How do we market? How do we get better customers? Um, so I've, I've done a, a fair bit in, in, in e-com. Uh, and what I'd say is, firstly, it's got to look and feel like you, like your brand, and be authentic about it. Um, secondly, uh, so it's not going to be technology. Um, what I really recommend is to maximize the number of reviews that you have. It sounds very silly, but I don't know about you, but when I'm buying, I'm going to trust other people's opinions ahead of you know review sites or whatever else. So if you can make sure that you've sold it into your local community, you encourage people to sort of buy and review. So if you either got that baked into your um, e-com store or you may have that you may use something like Trustpilot or something like that. I personally like Google reviews because if somebody Googles my business, I'm there and they can see a rating. And that's the way people, a lot of, a lot of people are doing it. Um, and I was given a stat, I don't know how true it is, but somebody selling on Amazon, for example, it's a different, but selling on Amazon, you need to have 21 reviews at at least three and a half stars for you to, um, to, to get people that want to buy it, buy it. If you've got less than that, people will look at you and go, yeah, because it's a key decision factor, right? They, they look at your reviews and go, not, not, not sure if that's enough. I'll look at something else. So get some reviews. Um, the other key thing, so maybe a little bit more technology, is looking at conversion rate optimization. So that's, that's something I love. Uh, so it's a lot of user experience. And it's about how do you create a user journey on your site that helps people buy? 
And it's frankly a lot of common sense. You know, it's telling them the right things in the right place and give them a call to action to action what they are likely to want to do. I've seen some websites where the buy button is like two pages down, three pages down. So you have to keep scrolling to find the buy button. You've given up. So it's not so much technology as uh, common sense on the page to maximize that. What else do I think? It'd be interesting to know more about your specific setup to understand that because what, what can you have? You can have abandoned cards, uh, strategies for somebody, put something in the cards, put their email address, they leave. Okay, so email them to get them to come back. Um, you can have you know, the sort of newsletter, uh, sign-ups, add value to them, give them coupon, send nice, gently, friendly, not spammy or too repetitive emails to encourage them to come back because people need a few uh, interactions to make that kind of decision. And you can do retargeting. So I'll probably look into that, which is, uh, sounds a bit weird, but follow them around the web, mentioning, uh, reminding them about you and, and what you do. Um, because at the end of the day, they might have got distracted. So all you're doing is make it one click for them to come back to you and do that. Um, hopefully that helps, Poppy. Uh, so last five minutes, so I'll just, I'll just jump to Sharon. Uh, I'm an app developer and recently started taking some side gigs as a freelancer. My biggest challenge is communicating with business owners who do not have a tech background. <laughs> Any tips? Um, Sharon, great question. And that's uh, exactly what I aspire to help with, which is non-technical founders, non-technical business owners. And I, I, I guess take maybe the mentality of, you're there to help, you're there to be a partner, you're there to be um, an advisor before you're there to be a developer. Development, uh, lots of people can develop apps, but um, to do it in a way that really understands the users, understands the business challenges and goals, and, and do it in a way that um, can make a return investment, maybe that's my investment banking background, but yeah, I don't just see technology as shiny, pretty little things. That's not difficult to do. What's difficult is to, um, is to effectively do it in such a way that uh, make a return investment for the business. So I'd really start with um, not dumbing it down, but talking about that um, specifically. And um, I'm, I'm trying to think how else to, to help. Maybe focus them more on the design, right? So the prototyping, because that's the bit that people will understand, bring their vision to, to life. Uh, last question. We may not have time. Alexandra, do you have any good backlinking websites to use when launching in your app? The answer is no on that, uh, but good question. I, I don't, I don't, it's not something I do uh, specifically, so I can't help, uh, I'm afraid. Uh, okay, so poor results. Is your business prepared to survive the second lockdown? 60% uh, of you said yes, 40% of you said no. Um, well, that's positive that most of you said yes, uh, but obviously negative that 40% of you are thinking about that, so I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about that for your the the forty percent. My suggestion it's something I started back in March because you know, first lockdown were was bad for my business. It is to really focus on. Uh, it's going to sound silly, but cut costs aggressively now. Aggressively uh, try and ten x your pipeline aggressively. I've used LinkedIn this year and it's really helped me tremendously. Um, really, really push this out because. There's no point waiting for a solution. Yes, vaccine, whatever else might help, but it's much better to re-engineer your business as it is and um, 
and do that sooner rather than later to make sure that you're not fragile. I think it's a book called Anti-Fragile, which is quite good that sort of talks about you know, your business not being fragile. This is a systemic shock and risk. We need to adapt quickly. If we don't, won't be in a good state. Yeah, if you've already done the bounce back loan, that won't be available. So you, you need to aggressively look at that for the 40%. Um, because I think by thinking differently and thinking about the other possible and new opportunities, revenue channels, there's a way to to do this and leverage your expertise to make more money. Um, okay, so I'm going to start wrapping this up. So any questions, get in touch uh, with with QuickBooks uh, support team on, on on Facebook, or you can reach me reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, search for Patrice Archer. Uh, there's not many Patrice Archers who are male anyway. Um, coming up on Ask the Expert tomorrow is Ariona, who's the managing director of Majors Account, uh, a QuickBooks Pro Advisor Accountancy firm. Uh, so if you have any questions about latest grants and schemes, very useful, uh, make sure to tune in and ask for advice. Uh, a reminder that if you need any more advice, join the official into a QuickBooks SMB community group on Facebook. Accountants and business experts are on hand 24-7. Thank you all for tuning in this morning. Have a good day.